Welcome in everyone to 32 Beat Beyond the Tweets. My name is Zach Hajduk, and today I am here with our head content manager, Big Shot, Matt Olson. Matt, how are you doing today, man? God, what an intro, man. Big Shot, huh? Yeah, I don't know. I'll take the compliments. Yeah, I'm testing out a couple of new, I I don't know, names. We'll figure it out as we go. I don't know. If the uh, listeners have any recommendations, they can certainly let us know. But yeah, how are, how are you doing? It's a, it's a little late evening here. We're kicking this off. Hey, better late than never, right? It's, yeah. uh, it's nice to be doing these weekly. It's, you know, it, it keeps you a little bit more in the uh, loop of what's going on in the uh, football world, which is, you know, kind of what we're supposed to do. So, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah. At this point, nothing should really be happening at this point in the evening, we would hope. Uh, so, and if anything does, I mean, I guess for most people, it will be breaking news in the morning. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, anyways, hey, guys, we had a lot of interesting stuff happen this weekend in the NFL. We're not going to break every single thing down for you, but today we're just going to talk through a couple of things that uh, and a couple of storylines that are going on in the NFL, see what For the NFL and for fantasy, they may or may not be doing. We're kind of a fantasy show, kind of a football show. But uh, Matt, help me think of a couple key questions this week and, excuse me, a couple of, uh, you know, storylines that may be a thing going forward and, you know, what we can expect to see from those. So uh, the first thing on the docket here for us today is talk about that craziness that happened with the Vikings over the weekend. And oh, my goodness. The fantasy world and Atlanta Falcons fans rejoiced, I think, when we saw Joshua freaking Dobbs just put one over by like one score on the Atlanta Falcons as he uh, came to the Vikings. I believe it was last Wednesday. Our question here is, you know, he won that game previously with the Cardinals. He had only won one game before that. So it's not like, you know, they got some guy who was just dominating. But, hey, he got a win with the Vikings his first week there. They were giving him his play calls through the headset and explaining to him what the play was as they did that. What are our thoughts on that going forward? Do you think that we can see continued success? And maybe we should define success for Josh Dobbs and the Vikings. Sure. Uh and, uh, you know, we also hear that Justin Jefferson might be coming back. We got some rumblings about that. Maybe he sees the win and he's like, oh, maybe my hamstring is feeling a little better <laughs> than I was when I first saw Kirk Cousins rip his Achilles. So what do you <laughs> think? What do you think we see with the Vikings going forward, Matt? Um, I mean, first off, big shout out to Josh Dobbs. I, you know, I married into a UT family. I've, I've been through that for 11 years now. And just to see this guy have success the you know really this year as a whole and the end of last year with the titans has been it's been awesome you couldn't you couldn't talk about a or or meet a better guy Mm. um i think the one thing that you know everyone points out every broadcast is the guy's intellect and iq he was in camp or he's with the vikings five days obviously before the start came out to you you referenced it, it was getting play calls and, and routes told to him in the moment of what his receivers were going to do and still went out and got the W. I mean, the kid plays smart. He's not a kid anymore. I should, you know, he's, yeah. I want to say 28, 27, 28. I could, could be wrong on that. But, um, you know, he is just week in and week out. You're never going to get a lack of effort from Josh Dobbs. Mm. And you see it on the field. One thing that did worry me is those fumbles. You know, he uh, he had three and gave up two. Um, 
you got to clean that side of it up. But I think that comes when you know exactly what's happening in each play. Um, And you to take snaps from the center (laughs) that week in practice. That uh, that would certainly help. And that chemistry is going to build. And I think it builds faster than when you have someone with such a high IQ. Um, I think his season with the Cardinals proves that. And the Vikings are clearly watching that, you know, after the Cousins situation saying, and I, I truly think this is a true statement, you know, we can compete, hmm. you know, and, and think they're five and four right now. You know, that's not, they're above 500, which is more than most teams can currently say. I guess that's a interesting statement midseason, but whatever. Um, you know, another big part of this too is, we lost Cam Akers this week. Achilles um, on his other uh, other leg there, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the poor guy, I don't even know where it goes from this point. You just hope he can bounce back and, and return to the NFL in some capacity. Yeah. But, I, you know, we're going to stick with the uh, – and I'm going off script here for a second, but stick with this UT train and talk about Ty Chandler and his potential opportunities real quick. Mm. Um when the guys touch the ball, he's he's actually produced pretty good volume or pretty good results. He sucks at pass protection, uh, but you know that's something that can come around. It's something where they can use Madison, who's kind of been holding his own lately. He's got his yards per carry back up a little. I guess where I'm going with this is there's going to be some familiarity with Dobbs as we go through the season, week to week. Team's gonna build on itself. It's got some interesting weapons currently on the field. You got Hawkinson, you got Addison, who's proven great. KJ Osborne's no, you know, slouch. He, he goes, he's a little banged up right now, but I think you might have been on to something when you said, you know, JJ's hamstring might uh, be feeling a little better right now, knowing that there's someone competent that can still get him the ball. Yeah. Yeah. And at at running back, like you said, they really only have Chandler and then uh Wow, I'm blanking on the name there. He might honestly be on the practice squad because I'm looking at a roster here and uh, maybe they'll bring him up with the Cam Akers injury. But mm. yeah, yeah, we'll we'll see what happens uh, with that. I think JJ coming back, you know, if I'm looking at it from a fantasy perspective, I certainly will assume that they're going to take a hit. Um, but if we look at Arizona, we can see that. Uh, let's see, what was there the passing production on? While he was there at Arizona, we did see some. Well, actually, let me let me stop before I go that far. <laughs> I think that it can be better in Minnesota than it was in Arizona for Joshua Dobbs. The team Absolutely. in general is better. I don't know that the defense really has too many more people than they did in Arizona. Um, but I mean, at least overall. But uh, the defensive coordinator there, Brian Flores, seems to find ways to just go you know, nuts every week in some fashion mm-hmm. and and try to keep them competitive <laughs> to a degree. Uh, and the offensive line for the Vikings has actually been really, really good recently. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's better than what he had for the most part in Arizona. So uh, we'll, we'll get to see what happens there. Uh, let me bring up Joshua Dobbs production per game this year, uh, just from a yardage perspective, because like I said, I think it can be a little bit better. So this last game uh, against Atlanta and Minnesota, he actually only passed for uh, 158 yards. But he had two touchdowns. Um, he only crossed 200 yards one, two, three, four times previous. Uh, and he only threw for multiple touchdowns, as in more than one, one, two, three times. So uh, I, I think 
Yeah, yeah. So I think you'll you'll be able to get some production there. If I was going to pick a player, obviously when Justin Jefferson comes back, you're going to be using him in fantasy. You're going to be starting him uh, because he's one of the best receivers in the NFL. Um, and then I think the tight end, TJ Hawkinson, would probably be my go-to there. So hopefully you just don't see. It's more like, oh, my goodness, you know, Hall is going to be starting at quarterback as a rookie, just light everything <laughs> on fire and forget about it. Dobbs, I think, makes it at least reasonable that you can you can consider starting the players there on a you know semi decent basis. So, yeah, I agree. I agree from a fantasy standpoint. I agree from an NFL standpoint. I I think this team can hold its own with Josh Dobbs, and he's a game manager. No one's expecting him to go out and light it up for three hundred and four CJ Stroud style. Mm-hmm. Um, or, or I guess Kirk I should Cousins say four hundred and four or Kirk Cousins style. Yeah. I uh, I think I actually saw today that. Since 2017, 16, uh, it was a question on Get Up this morning who has the most passing touchdowns in the league? And uh, it was Kirk Cousins, which was that's crazy. Two more than Tom Brady over that time frame. (laughs) It's crazy, crazy. Yeah, it feels nuts, but there's a reason the guy has has been paid what he's been paid as much as we bag on Mm -hmm. him. So, um, yeah, they play the New Orleans Saints, Denver Broncos, Chicago Bears have a bye. Then you get the Las Vegas Raiders. And despite the bump that they had this week, I don't think outside of Max Crosby, their defense is going to be anything too special at that point in the season. Then the Bengals, and then you get the Lions and the Packers and the Lions again. So the end of the season there may be a little bit tough with those individual games. But the Packers, I don't think you expect too, too much from. And uh, the Bears, you probably don't either. So, uh, yeah, some winnable games there, and we'll see what they mm-hmm. do in making the playoffs or not. Uh, let's move on here to another anomaly that we saw this week out of, uh, excuse me, out of Baltimore, Keaton Mitchell. Oh my goodness. He only had, what was it? Nine carries, but it went for like 130 yards or something like that. Talk to me a little bit. Do you think he can, you, the question that I've been seeing is like, can he be the lead back? You know, we've got. Gus Edwards there, who seems to be productive, even if he only gets a couple of touches, getting those touchdowns. I think he has, what, five over the last two weeks or something ridiculous like that. Yeah, like five um, carries for two t- and two touchdowns last yeah, week. It's just, <laughs> it's a joke, man. Um, but then you've got uh, Justice Hill as well back there. If you're going to ask me if I think that Ke- can Keaton Mitchell be the lead back, I don't know. We saw some stuff from uh, Harbaugh come out and i mean they were destroying the seahawks like every they couldn't Mm -hmm. really do anything wrong um so it's hard for me to figure out how to gauge really in a normal game what that would look like but you know like i said he didn't have a ton of carries despite his production there we'll see obviously i think he's earned himself a role and josh harbaugh said you know he got an opportunity and he certainly took advantage of it and we're going to see, you know, how that rotation looks going forward. Mm-hmm. I definitely think he's not going to be written off, but I don't know if you can spe- expect nine for one thirty every week. So, <laughs> um, I don't know. What do you think? What do you think we're going to see here? I mean, I think what's interesting is I don't think he cuts into Gus Edwards' playing time. I think it's going to come mostly from Justice Hill snaps, who oddly enough led the Ravens in snaps last week. Again, weird game flow. You know, you can't look too much into it. I think what's really interesting is Mitchell was someone that, you know, over the summer 
we identified pretty early on in camp that when he touched the ball, mm -hmm. it was electric. Kind of reminds me of Jaleel uh, McLaughlin in uh, Denver. Yeah. You know, everything out of camp was when he touched it, it was great. Now I'm going to, this one's going to hurt, but, uh, you know, we said the same thing a little bit about Deuce Vaughn, who mm. has a, a very similar physical makeup as uh, Mr. Mitchell over here. But we're not going to go down that rabbit hole today. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm not going to say I told you so. And hey, yep. for the record, Keaton Mitchell, 5'8", 191, that's still like 20 pounds heavier than Mr. Vaughn. But continue. I mean, I've seen him listed at 179. I've seen him really? listed at 190. I mean, we're talking a 10, sure. 12 pound swing, but okay. Hey, it's either both, way. right? Yeah, either way. Yeah, he's yeah, not a big regardless. guy. He's not a big guy. There we go. Um, but to kind of go full point. So, you know, we saw him mostly in training camp, I want to say. Um, and it was, it was semi-early on in camp, but until he, he got a little banged up there towards the end. But there were some highlight reels. Like when, when the beat writers were allowed in and they were filming these practices, there was probably two or three times where there were wow moments from this kid. And I remember one of them and I, you know, I would love to watch it right now, but it was, I want to say it was a wheel route. That was about a 30 or 40 yard pass from Jackson. And the route was gorgeous. The, the catch was gorgeous. It was in the back of the end zone, full speed. I think he just has that shifty X factor that he can be productive if given opportunity. And I don't think he needs more than 10, 12 touches a game to give you what you're looking for. Um, especially in a Ravens offense that people, you know, actually fully respect now with the receivers they have. Um, you know, obviously there was a little spreading around of the love last week from a um target share standpoint. Our our poor guy Zay Flowers is kind of in a little slump. We had to celebrate OBJ's birthday. Again, it was a massive blow in like the what fourth quarter, something like that. He scored. The yeah, they just, in. you know, they With were Tyler like Huntley in, I think something like that. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll put some duct tape on you, OBJ, throw you out there and we'll, and we'll get you yours today for your yeah. 48th birthday. Um, so, you know, it's uh, as a whole, he's part of a good offense. He's part of an offense where, you know, the coaches across the board like to utilize their running backs, especially Munkin. The whole entire offseason, all we heard about was, I'm going to utilize my running backs more. I'm going to use my utilize my running backs more. Well, guys, shocker. Every single week, this guy's getting running backs involved in some way, shape, or form. There's no reason Mitchell can't step up and take on a role and give you production on kind of a disaster of a backfield on paper. Yeah, I mean, in general, the Ravens, particularly Mark Jackson, is just destroying people. I mean... Lamar Jackson is completing like 70% of his passes mm -hmm. and is on track to, I think, rush for over 800 yards and no quarterback ever has ever completed 70 plus percent of his passes and rushed, I think, for even 500 yards. So uh, we're mm. seeing some really crazy, you know, MVP level stuff from Lamar Jackson. And I know maybe you aren't seeing that like if you're playing fantasy and you're looking at his numbers that he's given you the past couple of weeks you're not thinking wow this is an mvp quarterback because it's not a mahomes 50 touchdown season but he really is uh this is a very legitimate contender you want pieces on teams like that it is interesting you mentioned the receiving work for the running backs 
the uh, running back with the highest yardage total, at least on the season, is Gus Edwards for for receiving yardage. That is, he's got <laughs> six receptions for 107 yards. So I I'd have to go back and look at what exactly those are with that type of yardage. I'm assuming those are you know some sort of design screen or something. One was, one of uh, those actually was like a 60 yarder or something like that, right? I think 82 yards. Something yeah. Like that. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so there's a lot of that the in there. Man. Yeah, and then you only have Justice Hill with 16 targets. So in general, I mean, we, Eckler, I think, had that many targets last night. So uh, who knows? They're not really <laughs> targeting the running back a ton, but maybe if Keaton Mitchell, he does, like you said, provide something a little bit different than what they have. Mm-hmm. Maybe we see that a little bit. He only had one reception for negative four yards the other day, but hey. They um, need it. Yeah, yeah. So we'll see. We'll see what production uh, we can get there. And I was also looking just at the game uh, itself. If you're looking at the game log, maybe we shouldn't criticize nine carries all that much because frankly, uh, Gus Edwards, as we said, he had five and justice Hill had 13. Uh, mm-hmm. So he only had four less now percentage wise, you know, I guess that would increase things there, but um, it's not as if the difference was actually all that much. So Maybe, maybe we see him earn a role there that kind of sticks. So, um, speaking of roles that stick, Kyler Murray, is he going to have a role with the Cardinals at the end of this season? Uh, we think that uh, he's definitely going to be starting this coming week. I think they actually officially made that announcement uh, for the Cardinals. He's back healthy. He's not listed on any injury reports, and he's officially been activated uh, we if you've been listening to the show you know that we just recently talked with tyler drake of arizona sports and mm-hmm. you know he kind of feels like this is going to be like a test really you know they he felt like they needed to see six seven eight games from him they're going to get that this year assuming he stays healthy of course what do you think we're going to see here coming you know right out of the gate uh, if I pull up their schedule here, who do they have this week again? It's uh, man, I should know this off the top of my head. It's likewise. Like, uh, <laughs> uh, they've got the Falcons. Oh yes, this is because I was. This is what I was celebrating. Like I got you. Got to love, man. It would be so sweet if they just dropped the hammer on the Falcons. I know you've probably heard this everywhere <laughs> else, but like, I'm just getting tired of the aggressiveness from Arthur Smith. Did you it, it, sidebar? Did you see the whole, like, Hey, he shaved his mustache thing. And like, yeah. he said, the quote was like, I was up at like two 30 in the morning and I couldn't sleep. This is the night after the game. So I just decided to get rid of it and we'll see if it sticks or whatever. I was like, I know I shouldn't be like, it's not like, you know, his team's what, four and five. So I'm kind of dancing on a grave here that doesn't, hasn't really been dug, but like the fact that he couldn't sleep. And so he he considered shaving his mustache. Like that's just, I don't know. It felt like something maybe in his brain was actually changing because we're having Kyle Pitts block on the goal line while Johnny Smith takes it on a sweep. So whatever. But anyways, yeah, the, the Cardinals getting back to them, they play the Falcons this week. Um, and then they've got the Texans, Rams, Steelers, by Niners, Bears, Eagles, Seahawks. So I don't know how many wins we do or don't have in there, but the Falcons here, they're kind of reeling. Maybe Kyler gets a win in his first opportunity back. What do you think? You know, I, I my only concern with the first game back is obviously him, you know, coming out of that pocket, getting some positive yards on Rush if he gets – a ton of design rushes. I don't know. I think it's going to be more improv- 
improvisation and, and him doing something and, and gaining yards on the ground that way. Mm. Um, I think they want to just throw him out there and let him get hit, you know, outside the pocket. Um, that's probably pretty obvious. I think what's really interesting is that I do think he can bring, if not, let's call it same level production, but let's tack on 10, 15% onto Hollywood Brown. I think Hollywood Brown owners are probably looking forward to this return. Yes. Um, I think Michael Wilson owners should be looking forward to this return. Mm-hmm. Probably every pass catcher. Um, but Michael Wilson's shown flashes. I think he just needs someone competent to get him the ball. Again, not saying Josh Dodds was incompetent, but we're talking about different arm strength. We're talking about different mobility to a degree. We're talking about, a, you know, Heisman winner versus, yeah. you know, the smartest guy who ever played college football. Yeah, as many <laughs> questions as you have about Kyler Murray, there's no question that this is obviously mm-hmm. an upgrade, even if he doesn't have the mobility. And I mean, we have to remember. You know, he ripped his knee against the Patriots in, you know, you're watching it live. He scrambles. I don't know. It was like a five to 10 yard run somewhere in there. And it's just like right in the middle of the field. Boop. There goes his knee. You have mm-hmm. to imagine the first time where he's actually flushed out of a pocket that that's going to be in his brain. Uh, we see that 100%. all the time. So, yeah, we're going to as far as actually starting color Murray, I have no idea what you're going to expect from him, but he should be better able to get the ball more often through the air where it needs to go than Josh Dobbs as, as much as, you know, we should give Josh Dobbs some credit. So um, I was trying to look up uh, his stuff from last year here. Oh, there it is. I mean, it was his yards per attempt were decent at 7.9. I mean, his rookie year obviously was uh, where everything or 2020 was where, it sounds crazy, but where it seemed like everything kind of clicked and why everyone got so damn excited about this guy, you know, he threw for almost, uh, I'm sorry, that's his second year. Second I'm talking, year, 2021. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, but in his sophomore year, you know, that's when we say QB seemed to make that big step and, and everyone thought he did. I mean, his ground production alone that year, 819 yards and 11 touchdowns, like, that's He's still 11. It's insane. And people are still going to have to respect that. So, you know, it's, it's going to open some things up, hopefully for the return of James Connor, um, you know, and kind of behind him in that backfield. It's been interesting. It's been injury prone. It's been. Yeah. Rookie Amari DiMarcato. We talked about. Yeah. Yeah. It, Tyler Drake made that sound like a very important thing that jo, uh, James Conner comes back. And I mean, it makes sense. He's a veteran there, knows what he is and isn't supposed to do, is going to help keep uh, Kyler healthy, you would think, in pass protection when necessary. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things that's interesting to note is just the change of scheme. And again, if you listen to that podcast, you would have heard Tyler talk about that. But there's going to be a lot more under center. You assume that they're going to give Kyler, um, you know, more of those like play action bootleg Mm -hmm. things, which frankly is probably good for Kyler in some ways, because when we've seen him struggle, it's been like a drop back, like over the middle of the field. I'd I'd love to look at his numbers there, but I don't think he's super great where guys can be in his way directly in front of him. So um, maybe maybe that I'm speaking out out my rear end there, but. From my understanding, I believe that's where he's been uh, prone to struggle. So 
just from a pro uh, football focus grade perspective, yeah, 2022, uh, of course, you know, he only had the, uh, what, uh, how many games was that? Was that 14 games there? 11? 11 in 22? Games? I think it was 11. Yeah. Either way, uh, that was only, he was graded at a 67.1, which is only three points above his rookie year. Uh, and I know we were all questioning him. That was just a bad. We saw him frustrated on the sidelines there, mm-hmm. yelling at everybody's yelling at everybody, his coach. So we'll <laughs> have to see how it goes when he actually is up against it a little bit this year. Uh, if learning that offense is any sort of difficult or anything like that, uh, he only had one grade above an 80, uh, and that was against Las Vegas, who, you know, was not particularly good that year, anyways. So, um, yeah, I'll be interested to see what we can do. I think, like you mentioned, you're going to hope to see some good stuff here from Michael Wilson and, uh, you know, the, the other guys who maybe were a little bit lower on the roster and who had occasional flashes. Trey McBride, for instance, again, maybe we'll see some increased production. Like it. We'll see. But Quick uh, question. Yeah, go ahead. So what is, if you have to predict, what does Murray go for? I just want to put you on the spot so I can hold you accountable. What's go his stat for? line? This yeah, it's week, a line after Sunday, after Sunday, after Sunday. Oh, jeez. Well, let me see. The last time he was on the field, I mean, he had fourteen touchdowns, seven interceptions. Let's see. Josh Dobbs, we said was like one fifty-eight and two. Mm-hmm. One eighty something two. Let's go like two. Two forty. And yeah, we'll give him two scores, and then like thirteen to thir- nah, that's super low. That's I don't a lot. Think that's a lot. Well. <laughs> Let's say like thirteen on the ground, thirteen on the ground. 13. I don't know why we're gonna say he doesn't rush okay. well this week. I think no, I I agree with you on that. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, that's completely out of my out of my brain here. <laughs> uh, heading into midnight on the East Coast on a Tuesday. So, yeah, why? What do you think? What do you think? I mean, I I want to – I've been a, I've been beating the Kyle Murray drum. Probably – you guys were probably sick of it, you know, around the start of the season because I, you know, I think that initial conversation with Tyler kind of got me even more excited. Mm. Um, we've been on a pretty good streak of beat writers – predicting returns from injury they have I will, been uh, I will nailing give our it. guys credit yeah, yeah it's not awesome. to pump ourselves up but like i listen no, back to our us, shows you know? and i <laughs> learn things and i have helped myself this season knowing what's going to happen like it's actually really been helpful so i've been excited yeah. about that the brock purdy one was good you know interesting the, yeah uh, yeah that one the, was yeah. that one's right on um now I'm just mind blank. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, yeah. We'll but there's been good predictions across yeah. the show. So yeah. that's the point of the, the story right there. Um, a lot of let's go to the next no topic. I- yeah. A lot of listeners have no idea why we're laughing there. And we'll let you figure that out for yourselves. Um, Kyle Pitts. What the heck? B. John Robinson. What the heck? Let's draft guys in the top 10, not use them or have them blocked on, uh, you know, for guys that, we brought onto the team because they were on the last team we were on here at the goal line. See if we can't get some <laughs> John Smith action in the end zone here. Are we going to see what's going on there? Why? Like maybe be Arthur Smith for a second. Like <laughs> is he, is there any world in which the usage that he's given these guys 
is correct. I think we've seen this week a big thing was like Bijan Robinson has had one carry inside the five yard line. Like, yep. Now, of course, how many times have they been inside the five? You know that there's that. But Tyler Algier continues to like out touch or be very similar to mm-hmm. in touches Bijan Robinson, and I get it. Like, I get that Tyler Algier was a 1,000-yard rusher last year. I don't give a crap if you draft a guy in the top 10. Like, because that's you saying, hey, the guy that we're drafting is worlds ahead of the guy that we currently Mm -hmm. have. Like, that's not me saying that. That's you saying that with your draft pick. So if you don't operate that way going forward, yeah. But is what, what's what's going on there? What's going on there? Is 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 he maybe right to act that way with the usage, or maybe maybe we're all right and he's the one in the wrong? What do you think? I mean, it it kind of reminds me of the scenario like that Dan Campbell had the start of the season. It was the same similar frustration, right? You know, yeah. David Montgomery was getting all these carries. At one point, I think he had thirty-two carries in a game, and we, you know we didn't see Gibbs get anything. Mm-hmm. You know, as as the season goes on, you expect to your point that draft capital to to mean something and to start to play into, um, you know, a bigger role in who's getting involved and in, in more snaps and more touches. And what's crazy, again, similar to the Gibbs situation, there's times Robinson touches the ball, and it's beyond electric. Whatever the next, oh, he's insanely know, good. He's so good. And, we see the all these touches go literally everywhere else, and sometimes out of the backfield. You know, you mentioned Juno Smith getting a, a carry. Um, I just it it's got to eventually lead to some kind of shift. And unfortunately, in Detroit, it looks like that was because of an injury. Now, I don't mm-hmm. want to speak too soon because we have you know Montgomery's first game back will probably be this week, and maybe we'll get a. You know, a little bit of clarity. Um, But at some point, if Arthur Smith wants to win games this year, which he is not by any means out of it in that terrible division. No. um, no. Although the Saints are making a case, but yeah. Why not? Let's call it crazy. Let's run some 12 personnel so you can get your boy Juno on the field. (laughs) You can have... You can even use John who has a fullback if you want to. We saw that in New England. Whatever you need. Right, there. The creativity is what hurts me. It's not so much the usage; it's that. Okay, I drew up this stupid play. John in. He did nothing with it. Oh, it's his fault. Let's get Algier in there. Yeah, and give him the play that Bijan should have been running for the skill set that he has. That's what's frustrating to me. And I don't. Yeah. I don't know that people have pointed that out a ton. When you watch the plays that each of them are running, same with Juno and Kyle Pitts. If Kyle Pitts ran these same routes and got these opportunities that Juno Smith did, he'd probably do something with them. But we're not seeing that from Arthur Smith, and we're not seeing it from the coaching staff. I don't get how someone on the coaching staff doesn't go up to Arthur Smith and say, hey, dude, is this a good idea? Like, should we continue to do this? Yeah. So I'm hoping the dynamite goes off and we get to transition to a more expected Falcons offense sooner than later. Yeah, or even the ownership or something says something. Because, yeah, it's like trying to play a game on, like, hard mode or, like, all Madden mm-hmm. if you're only a pro level. Like, I mean, every I play on all Madden, but, like, every, most people do. Uh, I'm trying to come up with a good analogy. Humble brag. 
yeah, yeah. Oh, look at me. I play on that. Um, no, I think it's just like playing uh, with a hand behind your back. Yeah, there, there's a good analogy. Yeah. Um, on purpose, like you don't have to. Why are you making it more difficult on yourself than it has to be? Like, mm-hmm. keep it simple. Use the picks that you used uh, in the first round to do what you asked them to do when you drafted them. Uh, we see here uh, from a carry perspective, we have seen one time Bijan Robinson get more than 15 carries, more than 14 carries in the game. Uh, we've seen from the first game to the most recent 10 carries, uh, 19, that's his highest in the second game, 10, 14, 14, 13, 1, of course, in that weird game uh, that I think they're still being investigated for. I haven't seen any injury report news on that one from the league, but then 11 and 11. Uh, he receiving, however, now he, he does have certainly more targets. Um, mm-hmm. you know, six, six or six, five, six, five, two, eight, zero in that one weird game, five, four. So, so we do see some targets there. And, uh, but from an actual attempts on the season, they're basically dead even between Algier and B. John Robinson averaging a game 11.4 for B. John, 12.9 for Algier. Um, and then, but the, the targets is where he is certainly, um, you know, outdoing Algier, which of course makes sense because he's he's so good there. But yeah, I I don't know the Kyle Pitts thing. I mean, in some fairness, we are seeing a little bit more production from him, uh, just in general, depending on the game. Um, but you especially expected with Drake London out last week for him mm-hmm. to do better than uh, twenty. He had one twenty-seven yard catch and then uh the rest you know in total he was uh four for 56 so you know we saw one big thing and then targets on the season he's had one game over uh 10 we tweeted out i would love to give credit to whoever it was but laporta sam laporta has had 10 or three 10 plus target games this season and we have seen that two times i think from kyle pitts in the last three years i'm pretty i think that was what it was um the the point is is he doesn't get the amount of targets that somebody with his size speed and skill demands now he wasn't maybe as super healthy uh coming into the season there uh we have seen his yards per reception kind of trend upwards since the beginning of the season as well but um yeah i don't know until until the coach actually commits to trying to feature these guys i don't know what to expect maybe you just hope that he gets fired it seems like everybody in atlanta is gonna you know they they certainly want to get a parade together with a a bunch of signs and effigies to burn arthur smith's effigy in the streets (laughs) uh yeah that's what it looks like to me but it's gonna take something to shake it up i think we both agree with that yeah, we'll see. We'll see if I cut that. I don't know if it's uh, appropriate to talk about uh, marching in the street, burning effigies of coaches, but we might come back from the show there. But uh, Dalton Kincaid, currently ranked 17th uh, at tight end. Where do you see him finishing? Where do you see him finishing by the end of the year here? What do you think? We saw, what was it, 10 receptions this last week? Yeah, and 11 targets. Yeah. Kyle Pitts is probably just 
crying in Atlanta watching <laughs> him do that. Um, you know, I, I've obviously been a huge Dalton Kincaid fan since literally day one. Um, you know, the Dawson Knox scenario is certainly helping him, but I, I truly at this point don't see any way Buffalo can take this guy off the field. Mm. He opened up so much stuff over the middle. I mean, you're seeing the slot receivers get more involved because of him and them having to respect both sides of the formation. Um, maybe not so much with our boy, Gabe Davis. Oh my yeah. He yeah. seems to be the hottest or coldest player in the league. I mean, I'm not going to go down that path right now, but Kincaid has been putting it together the last three weeks. I mean, it's been, it's been fun to watch too. You can see the talent, you can mm -hmm. see the skill, you see the yards after the catch, you see, you know, I don't want to go crazy with the, you know, running back in a tight end body and being able to pull some of those moves. But, you know, five years ago, Kelsey was moving pretty similar and doing some things that, you know, shaking off defenders and getting a good degree of separation to make these passes and, uh, you know, turning up field a little easier on them. And I think we're seeing Kincaid start to, and I you know it's crazy to say this over a three game span, but it, it seems to be starting to come, you know, full circle, the thoughts there. It's an all instinct in this offense for him. Um, crazily on fantasy pros, I did rank him to finish the seventh overall tight end this year. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> I, I mean, if he holds this pace and we'll, we'll say like that, you know, eight to 12 points a game. There's no reason he can't, he can't do that. Kyle Pitts isn't going to catch him. <laughs> That's so, fair. yeah, you know, um, I'm, I'm optimistic. I'm still going to go with like a top with a top 10 finish on the year. If he hits number seven, you know, we can throw a, a festival here in Nashville to celebrate my accuracy um down on broadway for for everyone that all all four fans that want to come attend yeah. <laughs> but i i do like what i see i think it's pretty interesting the way he's adapted and i think the buffalo bills nailed it with the pick they got a they got a you know a ten in for years to come with this kid yeah and we're seeing him trend upwards just in the amount of snaps that he's actually taking and we've seen that over the last two weeks, especially against Tampa Bay and Cincinnati. Uh, so his participation in general is uh, increasing there, which is good. Uh, and then, yeah, over the last three weeks have been his highest amount of targets with eight against New England, seven against Tampa Bay, and then 11, as you mentioned, there against Cincinnati. I do think it's you know important to note uh, that Cincinnati was very obviously putting clamps on the other receivers that were there. Now, of course, we uh, we still, of course, see Diggs get his and, and what he's always going to get because he's just so good. But mm -hmm. you mentioned Gabe Davis. I think it was two targets, uh, no catches. You know, he was nothing. Uh, so I, I wonder if it's which they don't really play the same position by almost any means, but I wonder if it's a, you know, a Kincaid game or a Gabe Davis game going forward. And obviously they drafted Kincaid pretty highly and he's seen increased touches, opportunities and snaps. So maybe we just see what we saw, you know, last week. It, it may be mm -hmm. not as extreme more so going forward. 
No, I mean, I agree. I mean, I think it's interesting that um, Don Kincaid is averaging 2.21 yards of separation, which is set, ranked seventh overall. So, I mean, hard to miss if that. If he can continue that, I mean, what, if you're Josh Allen, why not? Right. Yeah. So, let's hope it continues for my sake, because now I'm on record. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll see how it is going forward there. They're definitely, I mean, just in the division there, they're five and four. They're going to have to dig themselves out a little bit mm-hmm. of a hole. Um, you know, a lot of people would still say they're probably going to win the division. They did beat Miami there, but Miami is a game ahead of them now, even despite losing this week as well. So we'll see what happens. They play the Broncos, the Jets, who they lost to this year. Um, and, you know, I tweeted something out. Uh, they don't do well against the Jets. Even if they win the past couple of years, Josh Allen is just not good against uh, against the New York Jets. So I don't know. Maybe don't play Kincaid that game. <laughs> I don't. But then they get the Eagles, Chiefs, Cowboys. So they play some really tough defenses down the stretch here. Chargers, it softens up. Patriots, I mean, you know, we all know what we think of that. And then the Dolphins <laughs> again to end the season. So yeah, it'll be really interesting to see how Kincaid progresses through that schedule. Uh, in your opinion here, and we'll we'll kind of wrap it up with this, what and who, rather, has the biggest opportunity going into Week 10 based on their performance in Week 9? Do you have any thoughts on somebody we saw do a little something for us this week that maybe we'll see more of? I mean, I'm going to go purely based off of playing time and not productivity on this one. Um, mm. I feel like I'm just beating the UT drum on this on this episode we, with Dobbs, Ty, Ty Chandler, and now I'm going to just – I mentioned him last podcast, but I'm going to bring up Cedric Tillman again. Um, mm. He played 74% of offensive snaps last week. Mm. Obviously, we didn't see – much of any production. <laughs> um, but I think with Watson back in the mix, I think with the skill set that we've seen, you know, and, and his ability, you know, he's never, even when he really got good at UT, it took him some time to get comfortable and then, and then it just exploded. Um, you know, we saw from uh, Mary Kay Cabot, we talked mm-hmm. about it, you know, he, he's been studying. He's that kind of guy who needs that. He needs a structure. He needs the time. And frankly, he's had nine weeks now. Um, you know, so to see him get back out there, play that amount of snaps, obviously not translate to production. But again, that Browns game, what mm. did they win that? 27 nothing? Uh yes, that is correct. 27 nothing against so again, I don't think he played those snaps that amount of snaps because of that i think he played that amount of snaps to get the reps and Mm. i think going forward you know he he's gonna hopefully be more involved david bell is not a threat you know obviously dpj gone we talked about that the kids got a chance to make some decent chemistry up with deshaun watson i just want to put him on everyone's radar you know i feel like if i beat this horse to death maybe someone will listen and then when he pops off for one game, I can claim my championship and then go back into the hole. So that's uh, that's my little call out for the week. How what do you think on your end? Yeah, uh, you know, I was gonna go with maybe somebody like Noah Brown, um, but mm-hmm. 
his snap percentages over the last three weeks have been like in the 70s, uh, which has certainly been an uptick. Uh, and he's seen five targets, I think, in all three of those games. And the last week he did only have six, despite going off for like, what was it, 130 and one or something crazy like that through the air. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he's maybe uh, my uh, honorable mention there. But the guy that I really wanted to bring up uh, was Kenneth Walker's no longer backup, I think, in uh, Mm. Zach Charbonnet. I mean, we'll see what happens here. We saw an injury, of course, to start the season for Zach Charbonnet. Um, We were all excited about him. And, you know, Kenneth Walker owners, I think, were very happy with the fact that it didn't seem like he was going to be taking over his job anytime soon but the last couple of weeks with that kenneth walker injury uh zach charbonnet 59 percent of the snaps 55 percent of the snaps last week uh only for now again this is this was a, a blowout uh so i i was wanted to be a little bit careful but in general he's i think just going to be a better uh, in a better position as a pass catcher. And we said that coming into the season than Kenneth mm-hmm. Walker. So if they are behind in games again, now this last week was, it's so hard to gauge everything, but I just think you're going to slowly see that snap percentage, at least maybe it doesn't rise to the level of, you know, 60, 40 with Kenneth Walker, but I wouldn't be surprised if you do see that 55, not exactly 45 split, but, you know, predominantly, uh, Zach Charbonnet, uh, or even if it's like 45-40 with some of the other guys behind him mixed in a little bit. I just think that they realize what they actually have in Zach Charbonnet, or, uh, and uh, th- they're hopefully going to utilize him a little bit more. It's a little bit of a projection because he didn't do a whole lot this week, so I'm I'm kind of cheating the question here a bit. But from a snap percentage perspective, I think you're starting to see it a little bit with Zach Charbonnet, mm-hmm. and I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see his utilization in a regular game, uh, you know, what we were kind of hoping it would be coming into the season going forward. I like it. Yeah. So, all right. Well, do you have anything else to hit us with before we head out on the show here? No. I mean, you know, we uh... – as always, are grateful for for everyone who stuck around this long yeah. and uh, <laughs> listened to us yeah. go back and forth there, and um, you know, just grateful to be able to do this week to week. Yeah, yeah, we've got some exciting stuff coming up for you guys here. We've got a lot of really good beat writers over the next two weeks that I'm very excited to mm-hmm. talk about. Uh, talk to rather, we've got Titans, we've got Steelers, we've got several other um, really interesting people that you're going to want to hear from uh, that you haven't heard from yet so far on the show. So mm-hmm. we're excited for that. And uh, yeah, definitely don't miss it. Guys, we do appreciate you, as Matt mentioned, uh, joining us here. We're glad to have you with us here for this episode. Don't forget to like, rate, and review if you can. It really does help us out, as I always say. Also, if you haven't yet, be sure to check us out. On our Patreon, you're going to see some special stuff coming there in the next couple of weeks. Also, you can see all of our previous podcasts at our website, 32beatwriters.com. As always, for Matt Olson, I'm Zach Kaiduk. We'll see you.